Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. What an honor to be with you today, and Pastor is correct. Even though I've had maybe 17 hours sleep in the past week, I am very, very much awake because I am a new grandpa. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It has been an incredible several couple of weeks. Um, uh, By the way, just as a way of introduction, uh, because I know I was introduced as a rabbi and pastor, thank you for clarifying that I am what's called a messianic rabbi, a rabbi who believes in Jesus. And so that way, all of you don't have to worry about uh, how to figure out how to try to get me saved before the service is over this morning. (laughs) I was born in a Jewish home in the Holy Land. Brooklyn, New York, and uh, (laughs) that's terrible. It was my parents' desire for me that they wanted me to do three things to honor them as a Jewish son, and they said, son, the first thing we want you to do is to go to Hebrew school to learn the language of your faith, and I did that. And the second thing they wanted me to do is they said, son, when you turn the age of 13, we want you to have your bar mitzvah, a Jewish boy's entry into manhood. And that was the second thing they wanted me to do. And I did that. And the third thing they wanted me to do is they said, son, when the time comes for you to get married, we want you to marry a girl who is Jewish. It's very important that you keep the faith. And that was the third thing they wanted me to do. And two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) I was... 28, 29 years old, and married this wonderful blonde-haired, blue-eyed, which, by the way, never goes in a Jewish direction, (laughs) Protestant girl from Northeast Philadelphia who had gone to a private Christian academy and was raised in the Salon Baptist Church. (laughs) My family was not amused, and they said, now, son, you've got to be careful because She believes in Jesus, and our family does not, so just be aware. She's going to try to get you to accept her Savior. And I said, Mom and Dad, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. And 31 years later, here we are. (laughs) You know, our our readings this morning were so heart-touching to me because, in part, they were Isaiah chapter 53, which is the chapter that speaks of the suffering servant Messiah who would come And also Psalm 22, the prophecy of his crucifixion 900 years before Rome even brought crucifixion into existence. And I'm so moved because it was those verses from those readings that brought me to salvation so that I would know who my promised Jesus is. My wife and I this past January celebrated our 31-year wedding anniversary. And as I alluded to a few moments ago, I'm a new grandfather. We have three children. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because um, on our first date, my wife and I, uh, we went on our first date for some traditional Jewish food, Italian, and uh, <laughs> as we're sitting in the restaurant, she said to me, she said, Jack, I have something I, I need to tell you. I don't know how you're going to take it. And I said, what? She said, well, I have a three-year-old son from a previous marriage. And I said, well, I have something to tell you. I don't know how you're going to take it. And she said, what? And I said, I'm Jewish. And so here we are all these years later, and our youngest, our our 
uh, nine-year-old daughter, gave birth to our grandchild just the other day this past Friday. Now, there's a little bit of a story behind the story because this pastor said, I travel so much, and indeed, uh, a week and a half ago, I came back from the other Holy Land, Israel, after spending two weeks there, and seeing many of the places that we are honoring this morning on this Palm Sunday. Anyway, the... the uh, uh, challenge was, would I be home in Phoenix, Arizona when my daughter gives birth to her child, to our grandson? Well, I got the most wonderful praise report that I've ever gotten in a really long time. About a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, my daughter said to me, she said, so dad, on what day would you like me to deliver the baby? <laughs> now, May I, you know, with modern technology, I'm thinking maybe this is something new that I missed. And, and I, I said to her, I said, you know, I, I didn't know women could be able to do that. And she said, no, no, it's not like that. She said, Dad, the baby already inside of me is almost 10 pounds, which means that the only way I can have this child is by C-section. And so I can schedule an appointment. <laughs> when are you going to be home? And I'm thinking... My goodness, I'm opening up my daily planner and writing baby. And I've never done that before. And I said, well, sweetheart, and it's if, you know, it, it, it's almost as if I'm planning like a corporate meeting. Oh, sweetheart, let's see, I, I, I have an opening uh, Friday morning, April 12th, between 8 and 9.30. Will that work for you? She said, sounds good for me. <laughs> and we had our grandchild. And you know, there are some things in life that you can plan for and expect and occur. And there are other things in life that you can't plan for that you can't expect and can't necessarily occur. But this morning for Palm Sunday, I want to talk with you about someone who knew exactly when the Messiah would come because he was chosen by God the Father to make that announcement. And sure enough, on Palm Sunday, this day, so many years ago, this Messiah, our Christ, our Jesus came. And of course, the person I want to speak to you about is John the Baptist. If you have your Bibles, please, I'll ask that you would open them up to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And you need to know, my friends, that back in these days, in these ancient times, there was always the expectancy, the hope that Messiah would come because people believed that once the Messiah came, he would finally annihilate their enemies, the Romans. Whenever times got bad, people wanted their Messiah to come, to free them from oppression. And so the worse things got, the more people wanted the Messiah to arrive. At the time that John the Baptist is speaking these words, there is a fervor. When will the Messiah come? And there were many false prophets, if you will, saying he'll come then, he'll come then. But you know what? Only John had it right. In Matthew 3, <clears throat> it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Let me tell you where the wilderness of Judea is, but first I'll ask a question. How many of you in here have ever been to Israel? Raise your hands. Okay, that's not bad. I need to ask a question that will get more hands up. Let me think. All right, I've got it. How many of you would like to go to Israel? Raise your hands. Good. 
When you go to Israel and you see the holy city, you will be looking at the holy city from the east on the Mount of Olives overlooking it. But if you turn around on the Mount of Olives and you look in the other direction, you are looking at the wilderness of Judea where John was speaking these words, where indeed this Palm Sunday event took place. You'll be able to see it with your own eyes. Let's continue. John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one, just one, crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. To me, the most important and significant word in these passages is where it says one. It was one authentic voice, and John was the only authentic voice at that time. As I said, there were many who said that the Messiah would come at a certain time, but they were not chosen by God the Father to make that announcement. Only John was chosen by God the Father, and when John said it, it happened. You know, we have a word for that in Hebrew, and I want to teach you that word, but first I want to ask you another question. How many of you would like to learn a little bit of Hebrew this morning? <laughs> that, that got us just as many hands as those who want to go to Israel. <clears throat> Now, I don't want you to worry. I know there was some hesitancy about saying this word, but I want to assure you, and you'll say a lot of these words during our Passover Seder this coming Wednesday, don't worry because this particular word that I'm going to teach you, nowhere in it does it have the very familiar Hebrew sound. <laughs> so not only are you safe this morning, but so are the people sitting in the pews in front of you. This word is pronounced emunah. Everyone say emunah. emunah. Very good. The word emunah <clears throat> means biblical faith. But let me explain what biblical faith is because sometimes we use this word too loosely. Biblical faith, true faith means that you say something is going to happen and it actually does. That's rare these days. We have many who prophesy certain times, certain things, and certain events, and these events never come to pass. Do you realize that since Christ's crucifixion, there have been many, hundreds if not thousands, prophesying his return, and all of them thus far have been wrong? Biblical faith means you say it, and it will occur. John said the Messiah is coming, and it happened. That takes great faith. How many of us would be envious of having a faith like that? Or said another way, how many of you would love to have the type of faith of John the Baptist where God has chosen you as the one authentic voice in the midst of the confusing voices? You have been chosen as God's one voice to tell the people the Messiah is coming. And when you say this, the Messiah actually comes. Imagine how many of you would love to be in the shoes of John the Baptist, a man of great faith. Raise your hands. Many of you did. Some of you didn't. The ones who did, <clears throat> I appreciate the fact that you did. The ones who didn't, I think you've read on a little bit more in the book of Matthew. <laughs> because something happens to John and his faith in the book of Matthew, which perhaps we did not expect. I want you to go eight chapters past Matthew chapter 3 now and meet me at Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, we hear once again from 
our hero, John the Baptist. This is the man, the one person chosen by God to say that the Messiah was coming. <clears throat> the one person chosen by God to preach the truth. And indeed, the Messiah came. So let's find out now what our hero, John the Baptist, has to say because he's speaking again. And of course, we'll all be encouraged from this. He says in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 3. <clears throat> Actually, I want to begin in verse 1. Now, it says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, by the way, those words right there tell you that Jesus, among other, th other things, was a rabbi. We were reading some things this morning, I think it might have been in reading or in song, where we're, we're reminded that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, from Luke 9, 58. And that's because Jesus was a rabbi. Rabbis were itinerant. They would teach their students under a tree. And by the way, I shared this for the last service, and some of them got it right and some of them got it wrong, but it's a little later in the morning, so I'll give you the opportunity and maybe we'll up the odds, if you will. Do you know rabbis had many of their disciples asking them questions? Do you know what the most common question was that a disciple would ask their rabbi? I will give it to you. This was the most common question a disciple would ask the rabbi. They would say, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? That was the most common question. <laughs> But the second most common question was, Rabbi, there are 613 commandments of the law in the Old Testament. I can't obey and observe them all. Are, maybe, are, are there, there maybe a couple that if I observe those, I'll be observing the intent of all the rest? And Jesus answered, and in fact, I'll, I'll give you his answer in Hebrew, and then I'll translate it. He said, Which in English means, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang all of the rest. Always good principles for us to know. But let's go on because John the Baptist plays into our story. <clears throat> it says now, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. There's our hero, John, the one who proclaimed the Messiah. And he's sending a message to Jesus. This should be good. And so John said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something's... That doesn't sound like the same John that we all knew from eight chapters earlier. Maybe there's more than one John the Baptist in the Bible. That, that could be the answer. Who knows? Maybe there were plenty of people that day in that time who, whose last name was the Baptist. I don't know. Well, <laughs> could it be? Or could something else be going on here? What in the world happened to the faith of this man? Eight chapters earlier, he said, Messiah is coming. I'm chosen by God. I'm the one voice. And Messiah came. That's emunah. That's biblical faith. How wonderful it could be if we could all aspire to that. And then eight chapters later, he's actually sending a message saying, you know, is it really you or is there somebody else we should be waiting for? What happened to John? What happened to his faith? Well, his faith became weak. <clears throat> Do we have a reason for it? You, you know, perhaps we only have speculation. The Bible is silent on the reason, although I think perhaps his being in prison may have had something to do with it. You know, I'll bet after John did that, Jesus was probably, after hearing that message, Jesus must have gotten so upset with John, probably said, 
The next time he saw him, John, how in the world could you? What happened to your faith? John, you have no faith at all. John, I'm ashamed of you. And of course, that's what must, must have been what Jesus would have said. But the Bible says something very, very different. If you look down a few verses now, in Matthew 11, verse 11, listen to the words of Jesus to this man who has lost a great deal of his faith. He says, truly, I say to you, and he's speaking to his disciples in the crowds, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Wait a minute. Jesus said this, says this about John the Baptist after John the Baptist becomes so weak in his faith. I could see Jesus saying this about John the Baptist when John the Baptist's faith is strong, that we would expect. But John is wondering if Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus responds and says, John, you know, I know your faith is weak, but despite that, I still think you're the greatest. And you know what? <clears throat> If he says that about John the Baptist when his faith is weak, before a Palm Sunday comes, and he says that about each and every one of us in here too. Because let's face it, we have all had those John the Baptist moments. Those moments when our faith has been very, very strong, we've been on fire. And those other times perhaps, maybe it's been alone or in our prayer closet, where even after times of fervent prayer and worship, we've somehow succumb to the stresses of the day, the, the prison, if you will, of just being in this earthly plane. And we've said things like, you know, Lord, sometimes I wonder, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is the Bible real? Did Jesus really exist? Am I really saved? And, you know, maybe I'm not really saved because if I were really saved, I wouldn't be asking if I were really saved in the first place. Oh, I wonder what God thinks of me. We've all been there. And we wonder, what does God think? He's probably so ashamed of me. The Lord probably wants to have nothing to do with me. How dare I even walk into a church? The Lord probably doesn't want to even see my presence. That's what we tell ourselves, or more succinctly put, that's what the enemy tells us. But we don't have to listen to the enemy because the word teaches us on this Palm Sunday that even through our strengths and our weaknesses, God encourages us. And so in those moments where your faith may not be as strong as it normally is, take heart, my friends, or as the word says, let not your heart be troubled. Our God is always there to lift you up and support and encourage you. And that's why on that Palm Sunday, there were so many people, whether their faith was strong or weak, and they had the palm fronds, and they said, Hosanna to the highest, and they said in Hebrew, Ana Adonai Hoshiana, Ana Adonai Hotzlichana, Lord, save us, answer us, hear our prayers. In your time of weakness and strength, he always hears your prayers. He's always faithful. And in his eyes, just like John the Baptist, you're the greatest. God bless you.